Good morning, New Life Church. Great to see you guys on this Father's Day. Again, from me to you, dads, happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to you. We salute you. Hats off. Love you very much. Rodney, what a surprise, huh? Yeah? And got a little, got a little wing action in there, too, huh, for you, man. So enjoy that. <laughs> enjoy that. Well, listen, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 today. We are going to wrap up this series called We Are the Church uh, with the last uh, main point. We've been talking about our core values as a church. As you know, we recently had, uh, went through our name change uh, and uh, coming under a new identity and new purpose, and so it was very important for us to express our values as New Life Church and to help us as, a, as members of our church and guests of our church to understand a little more about us. So we've been looking at these six core values and how they define us as a church, but also how they define us as people, as individuals in Christ, and how these are a part of our life in Jesus. And so today we're going to be talking about the sixth core value here at New Life Church. And before we get into that, let me just say a quick word of prayer over today's word. Again, you're turning to Luke chapter 5. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your presence as we have gathered together in your name. Thank you, Lord, for our church family and all of our dads. And Lord, thank you for always being faithful, and thank you for your word. You are always a keeper of your word. And today, as we open your word, help us to understand it more. Help us to grow in you a little more. And may our hearts be turned to you a little more. We honor you and we give you thanks now. Speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, encourage us and help us to follow you more faithfully, I pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. Core value number six here at New Life Church is we value being stewardship guided. It's going to be on the screen. Let's look at it. We value being stewardship guided. We value exercising stewardship over the resources of life God bestows upon us. When we are faithful stewards over God's people's money and resources, God blesses us to be even more effective in the purposes of ministry. We believe in making margin for the purpose of ministry. We encourage our members to do all they can to reduce expenses and make room for kingdom sowing. We will not be wasteful or self-indulgent, but we will make the most of money and resources for ministry. It's a powerful statement for our church something we hold dear and valuable. To be stewardship-guided is to live guiding our stewardship towards the purposes of the kingdom of God. To be stewardship-guided is to live guiding our stewardship towards the purposes of the kingdom of God. You know, when we aim to live this way, when we aim to live as faithful, good stewards with God's help, that puts us in the position of being conduits, conduits for kingdom purpose. 
That's really what, how God views us. He blesses us, we bless others. God becomes the owner, and we become the stewards. Amen? Don't fall asleep on me. It's 1130. All right? Don't fall asleep on me. Talking about stewardship, man. Fall off, just kick back. You see, when we're good stewards, when we function with the mindset of being a steward, what that does, it, it puts us in this position to where we ask, what does God want me to do with fill in the blank? What does God want me to do with my possessions? What does He want me to do with my time? What does He want me to do with my money? What does He want me to do with my cars? What does he want me to do with my house? What does he want me to do with my food? What does he want me to do with my clothes? You see, when we live as stewards the way God intends us to live, him the owner, we the steward, then all that God blesses us with means that he's the one who guides, directs, and orders what we do with what we have. You see, we didn't come into this world owning anything, and we don't leave this world owning anything. All that we ever possess in this world is hopefully with the mindset that we understand God's the one who puts breath in our lungs. God's the one who helps us to live strong and healthy and vibrant and God-honoring lives with the intention that everything we have and all that we are is meant to be stewarded for the kingdom of God. Any guy, anybody got some amens on that? And see, when we live that way, when we understand that revelation and aim to live our life that way, that takes all the pressure off of us, and it puts all the onus on God, who is the owner. Anybody ever feel pressure to try to make more money? Anybody ever feel pressure to try to do better at whatever? Anybody ever feel pressure to try to, whatever it is, in our own strength, and our own ability? It doesn't mean we don't work. It doesn't mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean we don't give our all. But what happens is we put our trust in God as the owner, and we understand our position as stewards. So everything we have, Time, money, energy, talent, giftings, callings, whatever it is, possessions, stuff, all of it, it's really not ours. Now, I know you and I work for it. Our name's on the paycheck. I get that. But when it comes down to it, everything you and I ever have belongs to God, or at least it should. Whether we acknowledge it or not, it still belongs to Him. He's the one who can give it, and he can take it. But he loves to give it, and he watches and loves to watch us give it away. And as we live that way, conduits, we live as stewards. And you know the thing about this is we get to enjoy all that God blesses us with. God is not against us having stuff 
He's not against us having time. He's not against us having energy. He's not against us having possessions. He's not against us having food and money and different things to that nature. He blesses us with whatever in our life that we are capable of handling so that we can be a blessing to others around us. You know, great story that Pastor Lindsay shared about Rodney. The neighborhood, man, flowing through his front door and out his back door. And if you had a side door, I'm sure they would be going through there too. They do. They made their own side door. But that's a testament. Using his house, his food, (laughs) probably all that food, man, (laughs) if teenagers are running through there, to be a blessing to kids, to show them, hey, you're having a rough day, stop by. If you just need an extra pat on the back, need a smile because he smiles a lot, then this is the place you can come to. The young family, 10 children, just got their newest one with them today. Is she awake? She's awake. Maybe my preaching will put her to sleep for you. So, (laughs) Using their resources. Four adopted now. Six of your own, four adopted. Using your resources that God blesses you with to be a blessing to others who would not have that opportunity perhaps like this. You know what I mean? These are just a couple of little examples. I know a lot of you are doing a lot of things. But just think about it in that way, how with what you have, what God wants to see happen more and more and more is that we live open-handed to be conduits. And you don't have to have, you don't have to be the wealthiest people in the world to give love. Love is the wealthiest thing you and I could ever give. Money helps. Houses help. Clothes help. Time well spent. Time well spent makes a big difference. Amen? Let's look at this story here in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. What we're going to do, we're going to look at this, and I'm going to get this, going to share... Uh, these first 11 verses, we're going to look at these quickly, and they're going to share a few things about stewardship and how they uh, impact our life and how we can learn from, from it, okay? Let's look at the first three verses. You can follow on the screen as well. Let's look at the first three verses. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. You see, right at the beginning, we see Jesus has a need. Can you say, Jesus has a need? I know that can sound crazy. Jesus has a need. Yeah, Jesus had a need right here. And that need was he needed to be visible and audible to people. And where he was, he couldn't be, he couldn't happen. So something had to change. Jesus had a need. Let's look at verse 2. He noticed two empty boats. Say, empty boats. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing 
their nets. These two empty boats represent what Jesus may notice that he may have need of in any one of our lives. Let's look at verse 3. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who is also later to be named Peter, who was the owner of the boat, to push the boat out into the water. And so Jesus sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. So Jesus had a need. He needed to be visible and he needed to be audible to the people. And he could not from the place he was at, which is on the shore. So he needed to borrow a boat. He borrowed Peter's boat. Peter used the boat and uh, he pushed the boat out into the water and the boat then became a pulpit. And so Jesus then taught the people from the boat. And so what we see here is how Jesus utilized a boat for the purpose of his kingdom. He took a natural thing that belonged to somebody and he used it, he had need of it and used it to further the mission of God's work. And so what you and I own, what Peter owned at the time was a boat and what you and I own, what we possess Jesus just may call on it and say, hey, I have need of that because of what I need to do with it. And then that proposes the test of our heart. Let's look at verse 4 and 5. You have the test of a heart. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, Jesus asked Simon, now go out where it is deeper And let your nets down to catch some fish. Peter said, Master, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Church, Jesus is after something far greater than our stuff. He is after our heart. You see, he knows that if he will get our heart and has our heart, then our stuff will follow right along. That we won't cling so tightly to our stuff. I work hard for this stuff. I gave a lot of money for this stuff. I sweat, I bleed, I work hard, right? That's that's true. But at the end of the day, why? 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 If we are stewards and God is owner, then he's the one who gets to determine what is the best need for whatever you and I might have, whether it be time, whether it be our talent, whether it be some of our money, whether it be our skill. Anybody read the, um, you got to see some of the Jackson Sun article about the name of our church back almost two months ago. Miss Tawana Cheshire Reed got to write a whole lot about that. She wrote and input it a lot, and then she also wrote our press release. She's a writer. Her, her and her husband both are writers. And she, God used her skill to help pro- make good about our church, to make it known and let people know about the name change. You see... God will use anything he gives us and he allows us to have, but he also allows us to enjoy it. You see, he also gives us that chance to enjoy it. 
but also he wants to use it so that others can be benefited through your life to be as we are conduits. But it's a test of our heart. He's not so much after our stuff as much as he is after our heart. You see, if he has our heart, our stuff will follow. He uses our stuff to test our hearts. Amen? To see this, to see if he, we will honor him, to see if we will obey him, and to see if we will trust him. He tests, he tests all of our hearts. He'll test you with your raise. Will you tithe off of that as you tithe off the other? He'll test us with whatever he allows to come through our hands. He tests our heart to see if we'll honor, obey, and trust. And here he tells Peter, he says, Peter, go out deep. Go to the deep part. Go to where you don't have control anymore and you have to become more dependent. Anybody ever get to those places? Well, we'll go through phases of that in life. You'll go through stages of that in life where, where you thought, man, that's really, really deep. I have zero control right here. That's good. That's a good place to be. I tell you, I, I, I'd rather be there than have all of the control over everything. And man, I like to have control. I like to drive my swagger wagon, my minivan. I don't ever, hardly ever let my wife drive, not, not because I'm a jerk. I just think the man should drive. No offense, ladies. But the other night, we took a short trip to pick up our daughter in Memphis. My wife said, I want to drive. I was like, what? You want to drive? <laughs> she said, yeah, I'm in the mood to drive. I said, Okay. And man, I had to take care of the other two kids in the back. <laughs> now I know why she wanted to drive. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, I need something. Daddy, I need this. That, no, you don't. You don't need a thing. Just sit there and be quiet. <laughs> I'm a good dad. Yeah. Ooh. She's like, yeah, now you know why I'm exhausted from just riding to church. <laughs> Mama, I need your hand. I need your hand. You don't need my hand. Shut up. <laughs> but she drove there and drove home. <laughs> and man, Max, we hit traffic. We hit construction. And it was past their bedtime. And boy, were they loud and crazy. What, took, what should have only taken an hour, should have an hour and a half. And we were three miles deep in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. We were not but about three miles from our exit, and I said, I can't handle it. We're just going to keep, just take this road, and at least we can go 55 instead of 5. And it might take us longer to get home, but I don't care, we're moving. At least we're moving. The, something about a, a, a car moving pr pr creates just enough vibration in their car seats that puts them to sleep. Mm. That's nice. She's like, okay, let's do it. So she did. It took us a little longer, but man, they slept. 
forget how I even got off on that and what that even has to do. Oh, go deeper where you have no control. <laughs> then he says, let down your nets and catch some fish. See, it didn't make sense to Peter. He did it all night. Caught nothing, exhausted. Go deeper where you have no control and you're more dependent on someone else. Then let down your nets for for a catch. Trust Jesus with what he tells you to do. Even though you might have already done it, but maybe just doing it when he says to do it will make all the difference. I already apologized. I already said I'm sorry. I already did that. I already lend did this, or I already did that. Well, now do it again. You just never know, right? We just never know. It's a test of our heart. And now let's look at these final six verses. Let's look at these final six verses. And we're going to look at these things in this perspective, how these six verses teach us six things about being and about leading our life as stewards being stewardship guided for the for God's kingdom verse 6 you see when we go deep when we lose our control and we give God control and we be obedient we let him we trust him with what he tells us to do with whatever we might have it might not make sense to give this away or do this for somebody or whatever it might be but you just never know what gesture you do that God is initiating for you to do that will make the biggest difference. And when we live that way, that's called living as stewards. Can you say stewards? Come on, we're going to wrap this up and bring this home. It's called stewardship. It's like, man, this doesn't sound real spiritual. Yeah, but this will be the, one of the most spiritual things that any one of us as God's children can learn to walk in. We won't live stingy. We won't live greedy. We won't live pious. And we, won't, we will not live arrogant. We won't live egotistical. We won't live like we are God's gift to mankind. We will understand that we are just simply children of God. He puts breath in our lungs. He puts health in our bodies. He opens up doors that no man can open. He closes doors no man can close. He puts us in front of the right people at the right time to do the right thing. When we live that way, God continues to pour out his blessing in our life because we're stewards. Amen. So let's look at what this teaches us. Six things teaches us about stewardship for God's kingdom. Verse six says, and this time, wow, this time, this time, not all the other times, but this time, anybody with me? This time, Mm. This time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. First thing this teaches us about stewardship is this. We get blessed. When we are good stewards, we get blessed. So many fish, their nets began to tear. We learn in John's Gospel, 21 verse 11, as they were fishing that their nets held 153 large fish and their nets didn't tear. So knowing that and reading this where it says they 
Their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear means they had way more than 153 large fish. What a catch, isn't that right, Rick? What a catch. Over 153 plus fish that their nets began to tear. It reminds me of what Luke records in Luke uh, chapter 6 about Jesus saying, the measure you give, the measure will be given back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know, that's the kind of stuff that God wants to do. And I, because when we're good stewards, He blesses us. But also, let's look at what happens next. There's another thing, verse 7. It says, A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Now that is a lot of fish. Boats obviously are intended to float and not sink, but when you have that many fish in a boat, that is a lot of fish. Both boats began to sink. So not only does stewardship lead to God blessing us, but stewardship number two leads to us being a blessing to others. Peter's obedience to God to honor Jesus and trust Jesus to go out to the deep, cast his net there for another catch, created not only his blessing, but it also created blessing for other people. Your blessing, God uses your blessing to be able to be a blessing to other people. Has anybody ever bought anybody else a meal at a restaurant? Good. Did anybody ever buy you a meal at a restaurant? Yeah. What goes around comes around. We get to bless others. You see, and that, my friends, is really what God intends. When His people are stewards, good stewards, faithful stewards, He blesses us because He knows, hey, if I bless them, I know they're going to help somebody else. They're not going to live greedy and stingy and close-fisted, but they're going to live in a, in a way that will be a blessing to other people. Let's look at the third thing this teaches us about stewardship. Verse 8. It says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, see, what had happened was he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. The third thing stewardship teaches us is this. We realize we are not worthy. That really, we don't deserve anything you and I have. That it's not because of our goodness that we attain and possess. It's because of God's goodness that He gives us anything. That is the right attitude and the right mentality and the right heart that God's people are called to live in. Realizing, hey, anything I have, every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. Amen? Anybody ever meet any arrogant believers? Anybody ever come across other arrogant believers? Like, I did this. I have this. I work for this. All I have is because of what I did. Anybody ever come across any believers like that? Does that not make you want to not hang out with them? It makes you want to be like, I don't know who you are, shoot. You know what I'm saying? 
Anybody ever come across believers who are like, man, everything I got, God gave me. I don't own, I don't, I don't give credit to me. I can't take the praise. I can't take the credit. Every good and every perfect gift I have. Every my house, you like my house? I love my house. But I have my house because God gave it to me. And you see that bedroom, you see that bedroom, you see that that toy chest, you see that box of clothes. Yeah, you see, I'm giving all that away to people. I'm utilizing that bedroom right now for a guest who doesn't have a place to lay their head and they just need a little time to get some rest. Or you see that couch, you see that table that seats 10. I only have five, but it's got 10 because of them, 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 and them stopping and needing a place to eat. You see my car, only it seats seven, and I only have five, but I got a couple extra places in case somebody needs a ride. You see where I'm going with this? You see how God wants his people to live? He wants us to live that way because it makes us realize when we're good stewards, it makes us realize, man, I'm not really worthy. And any of us who think we're worthy, we deserve what we get, that's called self-entitlement. And that'll leave you alone at the end of your days. You see, we get to enjoy. It's not, a, it's not a right, it's a privilege to get to enjoy any good thing that you and I will ever have on this planet. That we have because God is good. Amen? Number four, let's look at number four, verse nine. Verse nine. Peter was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. He was awestruck. He was amazed. Number four thing that stewardship teaches us is this. We get amazed at God's supernatural provision in our life. You know what? And God loves to amaze his people. When we're good stewards, it should amaze us at how God makes provision for us. Anybody ever had God provide for you in such a way that you just really don't know how it happened? You're like, there is no way. The math doesn't add up. The numbers don't crunch out right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it just doesn't add up. You, you You know, you didn't tell a soul you needed this, and just at the nick of time, it came through. That's called God's supernatural provision in our life, that when we are good stewards, God is faithful to take care of us. Doesn't mean we won't ever struggle. I wish I could say it meant we don't struggle, but there's a lot of TV preachers today that talk about if you do this and this and this, you won't ever struggle in your life. They lie. And I don't get on TBN to t- talk like that, so I'll, you probably won't ever see me on TBN because I won't make them enough money. No offense if you got some good people you watch on TV. And there's some good people there. Don't get me wrong. There's some good people there. But I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people who preach that prosperity gospel. You know what I'm talking about? I just can't go there. I struggle with that. I just can't buy into that. Because I believe that really God is my source. And I, I might have some down times. I might have some, I have some moments where, man, there's not a whole lot left. You know what I mean? But it doesn't discount the fact that God has a way of always getting it around and into my hands. 
always has a way. He amazes us at his supernatural provision. Let's look at number five. Verse 10. It says, And Peter's partners, they were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. It says, They were also amazed. Stewardship teaches us this, number five, that others will also be amazed at God's provision in our life. You see, that's why we need to tell people we don't need to be ashamed of anything we have unless you stole it, unless you manipulated it and got your way. You know what I'm saying? You should be ashamed of it then. But if you know you, whatever you have through purity and the right motive and the right heart, God gave it to you. God allows you to have whatever it might be. It might just be something simple. A week vacation away with just you and yours. To some people, that's not a big deal, but to a lot of people, that's everything. Just to get a week off of work and not be bothered by anything, and you have the means to go and do it and have fun, count that a blessing. Amen? And then when you go, or whatever whatever you have and whatever it is you're doing with whatever God gives you, let people know, man, God did this. And then sometimes you don't even have to say anything. A lot of, in fact, a whole lot of times you don't have to say anything that people will take note. How'd you get that? Well, let me tell you the story. <laughs> let me tell you the story how, how I got this. Man, how do you, how do, you do this? Well, let, let me just share with you how. See, people notice stuff. People notice things. People notice a lot about life and about us. And it should amaze them that when we give credit to God, God's the one who provided this for me. Amen? Number six. Number six, verse 11. And as soon as they brought their boat back to shore, they left everything and they followed Jesus. This is what the bottom line of what God's wanting to get to us, his people, as stewards. And that is this, that Jesus wants our heart. They left everything. They caught more fish than they had ever caught before. But they were willing to leave it all because now Jesus, the greater one, had their heart. Jesus gets our heart when we function as good stewards of what God gives us. It says this, stuff doesn't own my heart. God owns my heart. And friend, that is the best place you and I could ever live is allowing God to own our heart. That stuff doesn't control me. Stuff doesn't dictate me. Stuff doesn't own me. God owns me. Amen. Got a 13-year-old clapping on that. How old are you? Y'all, yeah, I was right, 13. Gonna, oh, she says, I'm turning 14, Dad. <laughs> she didn't say, I'm just 13. She says, I'm turning 14. <laughs> God owns our heart. That's the best place to be. Because that won't leave you won't leave me, won't leave us unfulfilled. Being unfulfilled is no fun, is it? 
being discontent. It's just not a fun place to be. And that's not where God wants us to be. He wants us content. He wants us fulfilled. But He's the one who brings that. Stuff does not bring that. Only God brings contentment and fulfillment. And that happens when Jesus owns our heart. That's the ultimate goal of God for all humanity is where He owns our heart. I saw a movie the other night, San Andreas. Anybody ever seen that? Good Lord, that movie was scary. Not a scary movie like somebody jumps around the corner and scares the mess out of you, but I'm talking about natural disaster, the earthquake, San Andreas, Fulton, California, and all that. But anyway, I saw that quote. Here's the quote I took away from that movie, okay? The Rock. (laughs) Don't idolize him now. Don't idolize him. The Rock. Lady, he helped save somebody, and she said, how did you know we would be safe right here? He said, it's the great big goal of life. You get up close to something strong and sturdy and you cling on and you'll survive. Dude was preaching. He didn't even know he was preaching. Hollywood was using the rock, la 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 rock, and he, and to <laughs> preach. Can you smell? I won't do it. What the rock is cooking. Some of you are looking at me like, you, what are you saying? He was preaching the gospel, and even though he was preaching, cling on to whatever is strong and sturdy, and you'll survive. Jesus is our rock, the big goal of life, man. Everybody's looking to hold on to something. But if you'll cling on and hold on to the right thing, the rock, Christ, you'll live. You'll make it. You'll make it. Amen? In closing, I just want to tell you four quick things that have direct impact on our stewardship. There's more, but I I just want to share four. Four direct things that have a direct impact on our stewardship. One is this, tithing has a direct impact on our stewardship. Giving God the first 10% of our income is imperative because it communicates. It's a test of our heart. Do we honor God? Do we obey God? Do we trust God? Amen? And if you're not a tither, you're not at giving at least 10%, and here's the deal. Start somewhere. I've been, telling you, I've been telling our church this for a few years now. Start somewhere. Be consistent at it and aim to always want to do more. Number two, has a direct impact on our stewardship, being generous. Being generous. In Proverbs eleven twenty five, it says, those who refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. You bless others, God will make sure you get Blessed, living with a generous hand. Just living with a generous hand. Number three, has a direct impact on our stewardship. Being planted in the church. Being planted in the church means this. I'm involved. I'm serving other people. I'm praying for the leadership. I'm praying for the membership of my church. I am digging into the Word of God. I am worshiping God with my life, and I am connected relationally. Connected relationally. I'm planted in the church. It has a big impact. Let me tell you this. 
99.9% of God's supernatural provision in my life did not come from anything outside of the church. Came from brothers and sisters in Christ. God uses his people to help his people. God uses his people to help his people. And if you're connected relationally with the right motive, God will help you. There's no real crazy formula to that. It's just simple. It's just simple. Family takes care of family. Amen? He hits how he works. That's how he does things. And then the fourth thing I'll share with you this about a direct impact on stewardship is this. Seek out help with your challenging places. Seek out help with your challenging places. What what do I mean by that? Desire to get better at your weaknesses. For instance, for example, maybe it's financial planning and budgeting. You're weak there. You struggle there. Get help. Ask for wisdom. Ask for guidance. Well, I don't want anybody to really see what my money situation is like. Well, would you rather be sorry at money management or get help and become better? That's just called, let me break it down for you. That's called capital P-R-I-D-E, pride. Pride. If you don't know, you won't grow. Right? That's just how it works. So, seek out help. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe you've got some weaknesses in your relationships, marriage relationship children relationship, interaction at home, whatever. You need help. It's, it's a, there's a big weakness there. Don't do it alone. Get help, amen? Get help. Maybe it's just a personal issue. Maybe it's just something you've been dealing with and continue to deal with and keep struggling with. You just can't seem to find the way out of it, over it, around it, or through it. That's because you need somebody who's been there, done that, and who can give you a helping hand if you'll just reach out and grab it. Amen? But seek help. Seek help with wherever you're struggling, your challenging places. I can't ever, I can't ever break free. I can't ever get better at this. I can't ever get help. Can't tell you that enough. And that, my friends, is, is attached to the, the one I just shared before that, that is planted in the church, be connected relationally. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Put that last slot up for me.